Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet for Tuesday of Holy Week, March the 30th. And our reading is uh, a rather uh, intimate and at the same time a troubling one, and yet it offers us great insight into Jesus. And the whole mission of Jesus, and really what he accomplishes for us and what he invites us to each and every day, not, not only in this holy season of Lent and in this holy week, but throughout our whole pilgrimage back to the Lord, we hope and pray. The reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 21 through 33 and 36 through 38. John 13, chapter, 20, uh, chapter 13, verses 21 through 33, and verses 36 through 38. Now, chapter 13 is the opening of the Book of Glory. The Gospel of John is divided into two major sections, chapters 1 through 12, which is the Book of Signs seven signs that Jesus works. Uh, the first, of course, being at Cana, the water into wine, and the last is the raising of Lazarus. And the Book of Glory opens with chapter 13 and extends to chapter 20. Chapter 21 is a kind of a postscript, a epilogue. Uh, that's kind of a summation. Uh, the Book of Glory, which chapter 13 opens. Uh, the word glory comes from a Greek word, doxa, D-O-X-A. Uh, it's a manifestation of royalty. It was used for the emperor and for high officials when they would parade through the city. Uh, it would be their showing of their status and of their power, earthly power. And uh, it was expected that the people would line the streets and kind of their own version of a ticket parade, if you will and uh, homage was paid to the dignitary or in those rare instances, uh, maybe even the emperor, uh, although that was usually confined to Rome. And the Book of Glory is the manifestation of God's glory through the crucifixion and through the raising of Jesus. Yes, the crucifixion is the revelation of God's glory because it is on the cross that Satan is defeated and denied the ultimate victory. Satan is driven out. Sin and death will not have the last word because Jesus is the true and lasting eternal king who defeats the enemies, our true and lasting enemies, sin and eternal death, that is, separation from God. And so in this particular section, Jesus is with his disciples for his final Passover with them, which will in reality be the Last Supper, because Jesus will be the true Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is both the victim offered as well as the one who offers himself freely to take away our sins and our guilt. So Jesus is that innocent Paschal Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. 
And Jesus begins by saying, I tell you solemnly, one of you will betray me. And Jesus is deeply troubled, as John said. He's troubled in his spirit, not for himself, but for what is going to unfold at the table. And when Jesus says, one will betray me, uh, the disciples look at one another, puzzled, and they want to know, uh, you know whom he could mean. Um, who, who is this traitor among them? We all have had the experience, I suppose, of having been betrayed, perhaps even betray a great trust ourselves. And they want to know who, who, who did this. They're looking around, like, like let's get him. Uh, let's, let's exact our power of flesh. And the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, is reclining close to Jesus, and Simon Peter says, uh, signals to him, really, uh, who is it? Find out who it is. Uh, because, after all, you, you seem to be the favorite of Jesus. A little bit of jealousy by Peter, I suppose. And John, the beloved disciple, leans, leans against Jesus' chest and says, Lord, who is it? Who is he? And Jesus says, the one to whom I give the bit, the morsel. He took it and gave it to Jesus, son of Iscariot. Now, this act of giving the morsel is not to point to, it seems, point to Judas as the traitor. But at the Paschal uh, Supper, the host, in this case Jesus, the host dipped, dipped the first morsel into the herbs and presented it to the guest who was the most honored one, the one who was most also in need of reconciliation and healing, the one who needed to turn from his ways of treachery and become reconciled with the host. This was a sign of healing, of forgiveness, and of mercy. And Jesus gives it to Judas because he is the one who is most in need, because he is the betrayer. Jesus does not point him out and say, there's the one, get him, guys. He doesn't do that, because Jesus is not about vengeance, retribution. Jesus is about mercy. Forgiveness. And he gives it to Jesus. And he gives it to Judas. That's quite shocking on a natural level. And John tells us immediately after Satan entered his heart. Judas has closed his heart to this act of reconciliation, this offer of mercy and forgiveness. And Immediately, Satan entered his heart. And Jesus says to him, be quick about what you want to do. Do it quickly, because I can't publicly you much longer. Uh, they're going to know it's you. Naturally, none reclining at table understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas was in charge of the purse, 
they figured he was probably telling Judas to go out and buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. Judas was trusted with the common money, which of course he betrayed as well, because he used it, as we saw last this week, for his own purposes, not for the poor. No sooner had Jesus eaten the morsel than he went out. He left. He could not be in communion with Jesus and the disciples. He had already made his communion with Satan. And John says three words that are quite chilling. It was night. It was night. It's not chronological night. The real point is it's metaphysical and spiritual night. Judas must go into the darkness where Satan lives. Satan and Judas cannot be in the one who is light and white. It's too bright. It's too blinding. And so they are comfortable in the night. And once Judas leaves, Jesus says, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. The wheels of betrayal that will lead to his passion and crucifixion are now set in place. Judas is not the disciple of Jesus, but the disciple of Satan. He will be used to do the dirty work, the big betrayal the breaking of trust. And Jesus says, I'm not going to be with you much longer. You will look for me. But as I have said to you once before, where I am going, you cannot come. They are going to leave him. They are going to abandon him, deny him. One has already betrayed him. But Jesus will say later on that I am never alone with the Father with me always. Simon, Peter, once again, has to, seem to want to have the last word. He said, Lord, where, where do you mean to go? Where are you going? He's thinking he's going to leave physically, geographically. He says, and Jesus responds and says, I am going where you cannot follow me now. Later, you shall come after me. Yes, Peter will. Peter will be crucified on an upside-down cross because he said he was not worthy to be crucified or to die in the manner of the Lord Jesus. But that will come later. Lord, Peter said to him, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. Another one of the typical Peter boasts kind of uh, bravado that we expect from Peter. Where uh, I'm going to make the ultimate sacrifice. I'm going to lay down my life for you. How ironic. It is Jesus who will lay down his life not only for Peter and the twelve but for us and for all human beings. Jesus says to him, I tell you truly, cock will not crow before you have three times disowned me. The 
foretelling of the betrayal, of the denial. Betrayal and denial. That's at the table. That's at the table with Jesus. In the midst of those who, whom he has been with for three years. Now we see why Jesus was deeply troubled. Not because of what was going to happen. And he knew all of that. He knew that. He's troubled because of the betrayal and the denial. Notice that Jesus extends even to Judas that last opportunity to be healed, to turn away, denounce Satan, and turn back to the community of which he has been a part for three years. He offers hope to Peter. He said, you can't follow me now. You're going to deny, you're going to deny me. But later you will come after me. For Jesus will pray for Peter. And Peter will turn to become the great, the great leader, the first pope of the little flock that will become Church of Jesus Christ, the Catholic Church. And so, while Peter may disown Jesus, Jesus will not disown Peter. While Judas will betray him, Jesus does not betray Jesus, uh, Judas with this, this drive to, to, to vengeance and to retribution. He offers them also. And yet, before we rush to judgment about Peter and uh, about Judas, in terms of betrayal and denial, each time we sin, we betray and deny Jesus. We give glory to our will, our passions. Sin is always an allegiance with the evil one. It is a turning away and going out into the night, our own night. Because our deeds are evil. And they can only exist in the night. But as the Lord offered Judas the morsel and prayed and gave Peter hope, you will come after me later. The Lord does that to us in the sacrament of penance, and in the Eucharist. Jesus washes away our sins and cleanses us of our guilt and extends his very body and blood to us so that we may no longer live in the night, but we may walk upright in the light of life, which is communion with Jesus, the Lord and giver of life. In the Holy Spirit, the glory of the Father, so that the Father is glorified. The glory of God is, is revealed every day in our midst when we walk with the Lord. And during this Holy Week, this is a time of supreme grace and keeping company at the table with the Lord. So today is a day of 
a kind of roller coaster ride, if you will. Jesus being troubled, Jesus offering reconciliation, Jesus speaking about the driving out of Satan, Jesus indicating that the glory of the Father will be revealed, the offering to Peter of hope. All of these things, all of these things, give us the roller coaster ride that is now taking place at the table and takes place in our own life and in the life of the church. The ups and downs, the troubled as well as the glory. So let us this day keep company with the Lord at the table and in our everyday life. Let us pray for that grace to accept the morsel of healing and reconciliation that Jesus brings about through the cross, the innocent lamb who dies for us and rises so that we too might rise. And each day we die to ourselves and die to sin. We are closer and closer to the crucifixion, which means we're closer to the resurrection. That great message of hope, and it is a hope that never disappoints because it's made by Almighty God, who is ever faithful. So this reading from the Gospel of John gives us much to think about today, much to structure our life around today, this day that the Lord has given us. May we accept the morsel as faithful disciples of Christ. May we walk in the light and shun the dark, and may we follow Jesus and die unto ourselves so that we may truly live. In these closing days of Lent, may you grow ever stronger in communion with the Lord. Yes, be with him to meet the cross, but also know that through Christ you can be with him message and the reality of Easter morning. God bless you.